Welcome to the Viewpoint Podcast with your host, Henry Grosek. Welcome to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosek, and it's my great pleasure to welcome regular guests to the program, weekly guest uh, co-host, Russell Hanby, for What's Making News. Hi, Russ. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Henry. And yourself? Oh, very well, thank you, my friend. It's uh, it's April Fool's Day. It is. I'd forgotten about that. Yes, you could have, you could have tricked me if you hadn't uh, reminded me. <laughs> um, what's the best April Fool's Day trick you think you've ever played on anyone? Oh, no, I haven't really done anything too sinister. I don't think it's can't remember really. Uh, but funny, but, you know. Well, I think when I was at school, put, putting notes on people's backs. That was the afternoon, you, wasn't it? Yes, you had to do it in the afternoon, didn't you? That's yeah, an interesting old... one. In the morning, you played a trick. You'd say yeah. something that wasn't true to fool people. Hopefully, not harmfully so. No. And what was yours? Uh, I can't even remember now. I've no. So many. And the, <laughs> when I was younger <laughs> at school, we used to do them all the time. But um, the key was to know it was April Fool's Day. If you remember, it was the first of April. Yeah, then, you're very aware. Yes, yeah. yes. Was it was it April Fool's Day that um, H.G. Wells played that War of the Worlds trick on uh-huh. people? Or was I don't it just know. another day? I can't remember. I think, no, I think it might have been just another day. I remember it's a good that trick, though, because it worked. I remember the news says on TV used to have a lot of fun with it back in the old days. And remember when the Westgate Bridge was being built back in the Yes. But they said it, it wouldn't meet quite in the middle. So they had to put a dog leg at the top and traffic lights to stop you uh, and let the traffic flow. And a lot of people <laughs> believed that. <laughs> they, had, they had engineers in hard hats and all sorts of things. You know. <laughs> well, yes, what a day April Fool's Day is. But, of course, it's been a very interesting and in some ways sad and also a week and also a week in which to celebrate. And um, we'll come to that in a moment. But, uh, yes, a couple of, um, a couple of very... Um, Larger than life people in many ways, and even the alter ego of one um, passed away this week. But uh, Aussie Ostrich in the Age, Russell, that was covered. He, uh, the creator um, of Aussie Ostrich, Ernie Carroll, um, the man behind the beloved TV character series person, Aussie Ostrich, has died at the age of 92. Died on Thursday, the same day that um, the King of the G, Shane Warne, the 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 illustrious cricketer was honoured at the MCG. But um, did you follow Aussie Ostrich in yes, Hey Hey It's Saturday? A, it was a good uh, a good sort of uh, easy way to relax and that and uh, let things go on the Saturday night, wasn't it? Mm. And he was there, of course, at the, with the pink uh, Aussie Ostrich. And, uh, and of course, Daryl Summer, the, uh, Summers, the co-star, announced last night about the uh, the passing and said that he came from a radio background in the 50s to GTV9 in the very early days, it would be. And he was a cartoonist, a camera operator, sponsor, sponsor, a liaison officer, producer, and writer. And he was also on the children's program. I don't remember watching him on the Tarak show as Professor Ratbag. Yes, <laughs> I remember that. He was so funny in that. Uh... Yeah. And uh, he's best known for his creation, of course, of Oswald Q. Ostrich, known as Aussie, for 25 years of Hey Hey's 30-year run. And, uh, yes, he first started on 3GL radio station in Geelong, and then and that's where he introduced the character, and then he went to the Tarak show on, on Channel 9. He did retire in 1994, but returned for the two encore specials in 2009 and 2010. 
and uh, he was 92, so he was quite a good age there, but uh, he was the, the voice behind Aussie. He was an Aussie ostrich. I can still see him standing, sitting there beside Daryl Summers and John Blackman. They, they in their time, um, they were a great comedy trio, weren't they, on Hey Hey It's Saturday, that show yeah. of the 70s to the late 99, well, late 1990s. Yeah, that's right. And I went, uh, I think it started as a children's cartoon corner or something earlier than that, and then went to nights, didn't it, Hey Hey, uh, shortly after. But... Uh, and of course, yes, with those John Blackman, he was always the voiceover man from the booth. And uh, sometimes the things they said were a little bit blue, but it went right over the children's heads, I guess, too, you know. Mm, yes, you could. Um, Daryl Summers described him, and I think it was pretty true. Oswald Q. Ostrich, my lovable and nonsensically funny sidekick. Uh, with with me for 25 of its 30-year run. And humour goes such a long way. We we miss the people who make us laugh and bring a smile to our face, don't we, um, We do. And- I, I remember Ozzy used to, with Jackie McDonald, with Jackie McDonald the, uh, one of his officers, the, the funny lady. Uh, yes. Who sort of acted dumb a lot of the time. And Ozzy had her in stitches most of the time. Most know? of the time. I think he had us all in stitches. And that was a sad passing. That happened on, uh, on, on, on Thursday, the same day as the... The piece you're going to talk about now took place at the G. Yes, well, King of the G, uh, Warney, the cricketer, star and fan, at the G he felt like a gladiator in the Coliseum and his family said there was no better place to farewell the legend and mate to Victorians, Australians and people from across the world. So as many as many, as well as the tens of thousands there at the MCG, millions were watching it across the world uh, I heard I think multi-millions watched in India for a start because they love their cricket. And a billion, Shane the, the estimated total amount. I thought it was over a billion. Um, but yes, he's as a cricketer, he touched um, he touched the hearts of of many people across the world. Whether he was uh, with you or against you on the cricket field, he was just such a sensational cricketer. And from all the tributes, um, Russell, uh, a, a man much whose company was much loved by many people privately. Yes, a lot of the night was partly more on his off-field uh, activities, wasn't it, as much as his prowess at cricket. And he had many cricketers, both the opposition players from other countries and, and here, talking about how he was a great mate when the match was over, no matter who they were playing. And they, the singers, they had a bevy of singers, didn't they, like uh, Chris Martin, Jan, John Stevens, Robbie Williams, Elton John mm. and... Uh, Lots of tributes by video from overseas as well as here. Did you watch it at all? I'm yes, not, not, yes, yeah. yes. It was something really special. Um, and certainly um, as fitting a farewell to such an iconic uh, character and sports person uh, as could be imagined. Mm. And I was very impressed with the technical side. It was a, you know, they wouldn't have had that much time to organise it, but uh, didn't went without a hitch, didn't it? It did, and there were so many people there that you know of themselves, uh, people who were of great, uh, immense uh, importance to us in entertainment, sport, and whatever. Um, I saw the photo there of um, even Ian Molly Meldrum. He's he's uh, he's still with us, but uh, he's looking a little frailer, isn't yes. he? He's been I don't Time. It would have been a bit hard to recognise him. I know he didn't have his cowboy hat on, but no. uh, he did look very old and uh, 
uh, did he really aged a lot? It seems. Uh, I don't think he ever recovered from that ladder accident, did he? No, that that, that, uh, that he, he was lucky not to be to be killed in that ladder accident when he fell off a ladder doing some. Was he putting up lights or something at the time? Yeah, I think Christmas lights or Christmas something. Christmas lights, yeah. and he was very, very badly injured, and mm. he was off for a long, long time. But uh, yes, we. But it was still nice to see Molly still with us. Yes, it was, and of course the 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 cherry on the top of the cake was the lighting up of the new Shane Warne stand. The yes, sign that there, was something special. I think everybody who goes to the G from now on, um, the Shane Warne stand will uh, will will uh, just make that uh, visit a bit more special from now yeah. on. Later. Yes, and I think I'm glad they did call it the SK Warne stand, but uh, became much less formal by calling it the Shane Warne. Yes, yes, I think, uh, yeah, Shane Warne, King of the G, and uh, uh, a man who won many cricket matches for Australia. I know he's part of a team, but uh, his performances um, certainly certainly made a huge difference to us winning so many games. Yep, he was sort of like the typical Australian of yesteryear, the larrick and good-humoured guy, you know, and uh, that we used to have uh, back in the... In the yeah, the knockabout Larrick. You knock could, you'd, have to call, you'd have to call him that. And he, and he certainly, like all of us, Russell, he he had his flaws, and some of them were highly magnified throughout his life. Um, and uh, but but notwithstanding that, there was much good come of um, Shane Warne being a member of the uh, human race. Mm. And, and even Liz Hurley that he was engaged to for a while there, she has always come up with great things. They, they were kept very uh, close together. It wasn't mm. acrimonious, apparently. And, and, and her uh, children see him as a virtual father figure, I think, mm. didn't they? Mm. Absolutely. So I think, I, think, I think we've done justice to somebody who brought us a lot of, uh, a lot of joy. And there uh, hasn't been a lot of that around the last couple of years. And I know his passing wasn't joyous, but uh, the celebration of his life is certainly a joyous affair. The Herald Sun, Russell, no Turkish delight as US rejects Putin lie. Russia pledged to scale down fighting around Kiev and in a second major city following peace talks in Turkey that Ukraine's leader showed, said showed positive signs, but uh, things aren't looking good at all over in, in the Ukraine. Uh, no. Not at all. No. It doesn't seem to get better from week to week. We talk, we've talked about this now for a couple of times, but it doesn't seem to be getting much better. And this idea of a sort of a ceasefire is regarded a bit sceptically by the Western allies led by the United States. They said they doubted Moscow's intentions, and Kiev's negotiator, David Arakamia, said that uh, there were sufficient conditions for President Zelensky and Vladimir Putin to meet in a push to end the conflict. In fact, Russia's uh, Deputy uh, Defence Minister, Alexander Foman, he reported uh, progress on the two central Russian concerns, the neutrality and non-nuclear status of Ukraine. And Russia said in return they'll reduce the military activity around Kiev and Shinigu. But, uh, however, Ukraine's general staff said although Russian troops were withdrawing, he thinks it was most likely what he calls a troop rotation instead to mislead Ukraine's military. And the mm. United States says the vast majority of forces still remain. So it's not as if they're leaving the country by any means, is it? Mm, absolutely, Russell. It's a, it's a shocker over there. And... Uh, <sighs> It's, uh, I mean, for people who migrated from Europe, and my family did that um, at the end of the Second World War, a bit later than that, uh, some of the echoes of war and and, 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 and the consequences of it, uh, the World War, uh, are still reverberating around the Ukraine-Russian 
uh, war that's going on um, and uh, it's, it's hard to see a happy outcome on that one unless somehow Russia withdraws. And I mean, I was talking to someone the other day, even if they were to stop it now and walk out, the people that have been killed, the people that have been dislocated and the damage to their country, it'll take them... It'll take them generations to rebuild their country. You can't, it can't just, uh, you know, end and then say, "Well, this is a new era." It, yeah. the, the devastation is appalling. Yeah, you see whole vill- villages raised, don't you? And uh, you hear hospitals and schools that uh, it seems to be. Uh, they say they're not uh, targeting citizens, but a lot are being caught up into, aren't they? You know. Mm, yeah, well, that's a questionable thing. It just doesn't. It just it. It's on a scale that is hard to comprehend, but it just shows us, doesn't it, that safety in the world and uh, people getting on with each other is a pretty transitory transitory uh, thing. And um, here we are again. We'll take a short break. Don't go away. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Gorsak and Russell Hanby. You didn't leave us. I hope our listeners didn't. No, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> now, I always like the cherry ripe. I still have a soft spot. My parents' uh, father used to always buy us uh, a cherry ripe uh, on payday, and so I've always enjoyed a cherry ripe. But this is not about a cherry ripe, our next piece. It's about some other ripeness you might like to explain, Russell. Yeah, from, from the age, city is ripe for a DIY Takeover. Now, the age newspaper what, asked what was five that? minutes. A DIY? A DIY. It's hard to say. It's like a tongue twister. A DIY do-it-yourself makeover. Yes. But apparently, the, and, and the age asked five innovative Melburnians under 35 for their best ideas to revive the city. An urban planner, Alex Four, gave ideas on improving the way we live. Um, now, it's sort of lockdown uh, you know, gave us a small area, of course, where we couldn't go out at one stage 5K and it gave time for reflection uh, about what we want. You know, are there open spaces? Or what do I want more of? And uh, he suggested two fun, low-cost, temporary interventions to meet the needs of the community. And we've uh, got temporary bike lanes, he says, or pop-up parks and planting even veggie gardens in nature strips. He said community members can do this uh, along with uh, government grants. Uh, so what do you think of that idea? Well, it makes sense to me, Russell. It it looks like, uh, well, you've got some people there with creative minds and, uh, look, it probably is. uh, It's always easy, isn't it, to sort of get into a rut and think, well, things are pretty good, Um, take yourself out of your comfort zone and uh, people looking at things laterally with a creative mind, I think they make some sense. What do you think? Yes, I do. I mean, he doesn't go into details. Some of these articles are a bit... uh, you know, people are sort of doing reflecting a lot, and uh, yes. but nothing much comes of it, does it? Now, technology is the other way. I know there's a Magpie swooping app that I have when mm-hmm. I was on my bike, and if I, and I have been swooped in recent years, and uh, you can download the details and tell everybody else what to look out for. Well, he also suggests using technology to tell people of unsafe or favourite spots. You can upload them onto an interact an interactive map to help everyone, and that'll enable feedback. So that seems a pretty manageable idea. Mm. Of course, a lot of these things will cost money because if we're going to rejig things, and um, particularly such ones as uh, the idea of about um, where we where we 
decentralisation. Um, and he lived in Paris for the first part of his life, went back there in the summer. And what they call the 20-minute neighbourhood, where everything you need to work, live, socialise and play is within 20 minutes walking distance from your home. Now, that idea of decentralisation is gathering prominence in a lot of places. But, of course, for all of that to happen, it, it, it means that things will have to be... Infrastructure will have to be uh, prepared, made for that, uh, because if it's not yes. the case already, then that costs time and money, doesn't it? It does, and you need like like community set up and services, yep. as you say, but you need adequate public transport and all that sort of thing if, within this 20 minutes walking distance from home. And uh, it sounds good, but it, um, it's, that could be a while off yet. Yeah, I mean, how do you do it for everybody? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you could do it in one or two areas relatively easily, but if that's going, if everybody's going to be able to work within twenty minutes walking distance of their home, you'll either have a lot of people relocating and or a lot of it. It 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 it, it sounds that one sounds wonderful, but I don't know how you'd achieve it unless you were building a new place. Town, no, city. that's right. It sounds like it was an idea out of our lockdowns where people are working from home. Yeah. Uh, gradually, gradually getting back to the city. I know one of the car parks I saw near one of the stations, uh, up until now it's been half full still, but yesterday I noticed a big increase and only – there were a few spots free, but normally, of course, pre-COVID you couldn't get a spot anywhere. So people are gradually going back, I think, into the city some days a week anyway. It'll be interesting, Russell, because um, it's – it's the, it's the long journey that always um, sorts out ideas, uh, the long haul, the marathon of life. And for five minutes, um, anything can sound really good. So all this decentralisation, people moving away to the country, yes. What about in three or four years' time? Will they still want to be there? That's the uh, unanswerable question at this point in time. And also, we've had some feedback from other states where people have shot out of the big city and got away from the hustle and bustle but then the infrastructure's not there necessarily and uh, the infrastructure catching up with their needs uh, is testing their patience and their pockets so the other thing is uh, like two or three years ago the big cities like Bendigo, Geelong and uh, Ballarat, the housing was pretty cheap compared with Melbourne now yes. because of everyone going there. Of course, it's usual supply and demand. Their prices are going up considerably too, aren't they, to buy? Yes, and often the reason for leaving a place, I think some people left Melbourne because of lockdown. Lockdowns? Um, yep. Once the lockdowns are gone, is the reason not to be in Melbourne as great for those people? Maybe, maybe not. So um, there's a lot of water to pass under the bridge on on that particular issue, I, I would argue. What would you say? Yes, I think so. Uh, I mean, working from home, I suppose many can work from home, whether they yep. have to work a long time. But if you have to come into the city even one day a week, you wouldn't want to come from too far away, would you? No, you certainly there. wouldn't. That's, you know, people mm. spend hours doing that. Um, of course, over a period of time, um, how long do people like spending pretty much every day in their own home? You get up to go to your office in your home and then go back. Um, that can also become boring for some people who like the social interaction of real other people there, not just on a screen. 
Mm. Yes, uh, I mean, I think it was a bit of a novelty feature a year or two ago, wasn't it, when it first Absolutely. started? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think what, what they found, people were actually working longer, and because you're at home, you know, you're not commuting, but uh, they're spending more hours working for, you could say, for the same amount of money. So uh, it's interesting that the effect, uh, whether some people can't sort of put this pleasure into their day as well as work too, mm, if you're yeah, at home. Yeah, you're not getting a, a change of scenery uh from work to um, to recreation and pleasure, the odd spot, Russell. This yes, is a, this uh, is a good one. That's right. Uh, another animal story. Whether we like those, uh, a, a fugitive flamingo continues to evade U.S. wildlife authorities. Seventeen years after it escaped from a Kansas zoo during a storm, with its lurid pink feathers, long neck, spindly legs, and curved beak, the breakaway bird was filmed earlier this month in Texas. Its numbered leg band confirmed it was the bird that was shipped to the U.S. in 2004 and escaped the following year before zookeepers got round to clipping its wings. It's never been recaptured, despite being spotted in uh, Wisconsin, Louisiana and Texas over the intervening years. So he's, he's doing well, but uh, it's still out there and not in captivity. And obviously enjoying its freedom. Mm. Amazing. That so it is, isn't it? Yes, it, is it must amazing. be good. I don't know how long flamingos live, but it must be enjoying life. There's your homework for next week, and we don't have homework anymore. What's the average lifespan of a flamingo? There you go. Yeah, that shouldn't uh, take you, you too long to find no. out. No, and you know, when I was talking, you know what I was thinking? Henry's got homework ticking around. Yes, <laughs> yes, there it is. And you've got it. Listen, you've got all weekend. Enjoy your weekend, and I'm sure you'll fossick up an answer for that little piece of homework um, uh, for next week, Russell. Okay, we'll we'll see how we go. And here's another bit you might just chuck in there. What's the longest, on average, living bird? A life cycle. Mm. Oh, ah, well, there you go. That'll keep you going. Yeah. <laughs> do you know? No, I don't. Oh, no. right. Now, what okay. would I ask you to do? What would I che- ask you to do homework for which I knew the answer? Oh, just to check up, you know, how you go. Being oh, a teacher yes, from old years. Right. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Listen, you have a good weekend. We'll catch you next week. All right. We'll do. That was Russell Hanby, What's Making News. Listeners, he's a great sport. It'll be interesting to see what he comes up with. Um, the longest lived bird. Hmm. Wonder about that one. We'll take a break. Don't go away. You've been listening to the Viewpoints Podcast, hosted by Henry Grossek and produced by Rob Kelly. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and rate us via Apple Podcasts. 